Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The danger that couples face when it comes to money. Couples are clueless about what each other make. Do you know how much your spouse makes within $10,000, $50,000? Money problems. It's top five reason for divorce. And speaking of divorce, we all know people have been divorced twice, three times, four times. And I know that not everyone is lucky in love, but maybe they didn't know how to communicate about money. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. So I think this episode ended up being spurred on by an article that popped up that talked about how just couples in America don't even know what each other make. There's 40% of Americans, again, that have a significant other, spouse or partner, can't correctly identify how much their partner earns. And this is a this is a study from Fidelity that interviewed almost 2,000 people. It was in their annual couples and money survey where they asked partners in in love, let's say, or maybe not in love, but asked married and long-term couples, they're at least 25 years old, about their financial lives. And 40% of this group wasn't even able to identify their significant other's income within a $25,000 range. When they moved to a $50,000 range, and think about this, if you make $100,000 a year, would your spouse be able to nail this within 50K? Yes, $51,000 would be right. Oh yeah, you're, you're right on. You're just off by 49,000. 149,000 still checks the box. But one in 10, unable to identify the partner's salary within 50 grand. And again, money is one of the problems that's at the top of the list when it comes to arguments. 44% in this Fidelity survey said that they argue about money with their spouse. And 20% say that money is their biggest relationship challenge. And if you look at research around divorce, if you're looking at major reasons for divorce, you're going to get the obvious list of lack of commitment, infidelity, too much conflict, getting married too young is, is big on the list, substance abuse, domestic violence, health problems, lack of family support, religious differences. Who knows in the world we live today, maybe political differences. But in the middle to upper part of that list, financial problems. 
And if you look at the data, a full 55% of couples say that that was the major reason for divorce. It's a lot. Or it was on the top of their list of reasons when it comes to divorce. And again, we may intuitively know that when it comes to money and being a couple, it's a, it's kind of, it's a team sport. I've been in the financial industry now for several decades, and I'm a firm believer that we've got to be able to have spouses working together so that you both understand each other's goals. And then you communicate those goals clearly. You can really tell when a couple or a family's been open about their financial kind of hope, dreams, wishes, and the ones that aren't. And the ones that aren't are the ones that I'll get a phone call. Hey, don't tell Jim, but here's what I want to do. Or, hey, please don't tell Heather, but I'm going to do, I'm about to do this. Couples that are open and transparent about money, those are not the couples getting divorced. Now, again, some of the hard data here. Number one on the list is lack of commitment. Number two is infidelity. And then you get things like conflict and getting married too young. But financial problems is above substance abuse. It's above domestic violence. And again, is a reason for getting divorced. It's above health problems. It's above lack of support from the family. So it's significant on the list. And it stands to reason that communication is the key. Now, let's start with one of their big findings through this fidelity study. If you're able to do this very simple thing, communicating well was the question. Are you, as a couple, do you communicate well when it comes to money? If you fall into that camp, you're much more likely to have a comfortable lifestyle in retirement. If as a couple, you're not communicating well, only 35% of those couples are expecting to live a comfortable lifestyle in retirement. If you're communicating well, two thirds of respondents are doing this monthly. Again, if you're not communicating well, only one in four are talking about money monthly. Now, again, you and I both know that this is not always that easy. In fact, about half of respondents said they disagree on how much they even need to retire. And then when they want to retire. So fascinating here. 48% of couples, let's call that almost half, disagree on the age they want to retire. It's kind of a big one. Big disconnect too. 51% disagree how much money they actually need to save. 40% aren't even on the same page when it comes to how they want to invest the money. Some are risk takers, some aren't. And a third of respondents totally disagree on their family's next big savings goal. That's a lot of money disconnect. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. All right, now I'm going to make a plug for financial advisors or money professionals. Again, ask a barber if you need a haircut, he's going to say, yeah, you need a haircut. But again, this is a a large study here. So this is for those who 
don't have an advisor and those who do have some sort of advisor. And I think advisor can be a pretty broad term. It might be a financial coach, might be a friend that you sit down and, and gives you money advice. It might be an actual financial advisor. But I think the key here is someone that is helping you through this process. And there's a big difference between the two camps when it comes to having anxiety with their finances. Now, there's a long list here of items where they ask respondents, do you have anxiety around this particular money stressor? So one, building up emergency savings. Two, having enough money for save for retirement. Three, saving enough for your child's education. Four, paying health-related costs. Five, paying off debt. Another one, saving enough money to purchase or pay for a home. So those are all areas that, of course, give you some thought and a little anxiety around these particular goals. But for those who don't end up having someone to help, for example, a full 54% of the group that doesn't have an advisor has anxiety about having enough money saved for retirement. Only a third of the group, meaning that two-thirds of the group that has some sort of advisory help are worried about having enough money saved for retirement. Again, really powerful here. A little help goes a long way. And I think part of the reason beyond, yes, financial advisors, yes, they do it every day and they should be experts and they should know what they're doing and have insight and have experience of all different situations. But sometimes just having a third-party intermediary that's objective really helps. You know, I think about when I do, we do planning, for instance, for running the business of the advisory firm that we run. If we were to get together in a room as a leadership team and talk about the direction to go, we very quickly and usually come to kind of the right decision, or at least a good decision. But it's funny when you have an outside person facilitating a meeting, which we do three to four times a year, almost as though almost a business or meeting coach or intermediary. It's amazing how quickly and almost democratically we can come to solutions. Again, third party, outside force, maybe not even an expert on your particular business can really have a huge positive impact on you making decisions. And I think the advisor can serve in a similar capacity when it comes to money. And maybe even the same thing goes when it comes to marital counseling, right? You and I, we know what we're supposed to do being married. But for some couples, if you're ended up on different paths, it's really helpful to have somebody kind of sit there and say, hey, you know what you should be doing. Let's talk this thing out. So in every single major planning topic, whether it was retirement or children's education or healthcare, debt reductions or savings, those who had some sort of help were just more confident. And when it comes to having enough money in retirement, a full 54% of couples without an advisor were concerned and stressed and anxious. Those who have an advisor, only 35% were stressed out. Another major consideration is this, is what I call the financial driver. And this is the one partner in the relationship who handles the decisions. This is, oh, this is Bob. He makes these decisions. Mallory, she makes these decisions. Husband, wife, when it comes to anything related to money. And again, I see this all the time. The husband or the wife, they've been driving the bus and the other one's just kind of along for the ride. Hey, honey, you handle the money. 
Unfortunately, if something happens to the driver, the passenger can be feeling pretty lost. The Fidelity study also shows us this. If you're making joint financial decisions, husband and wife together, then 84% of that group says, hey, if I'm the driver of the bus for the most part, 84% of the time, I feel pretty good that my passenger can take over. Something happens to me. But if you're making your financial decisions independently, then almost 50% of those couples think, hey, there's no way that my spouse is going to be able to make the right financial decisions when I'm not here. So again, we have to do this together. This isn't a you drive or I drive. This is a we drive. And that's how we have to think about this in terms of money and being a couple. Now, I mentioned divorce earlier. We all know people that have been divorced many times, three times, four times. I think I've even met somebody that's been divorced five times. Pretty funny when it comes to divorce. I've done some research around this when it comes to happy retirees. And you can still be a happy retiree. So this is literally from my research in my book that's coming out in October. I actually have part of a chapter about this. You can absolutely, and my data shows this, 100% still be a happy retiree if you've gotten a divorce. Now, the data shows, though, you only get one, though. You only get one, one marriage mulligan. I didn't see happiness levels drop at all. They don't even dip when it comes to second marriages meaning that you had to get a divorce to be a second marriage for the most part. Once you get to three and four marriages and five, five marriages, I think I, I know somebody at five, then yes, happiness levels fall pretty dramatically. And I think we all intuitively know the answer to that. One, mar- one, one divorce, maybe two. Yeah, just wasn't right. Maybe bad timing, grow apart. When you get into marriage three and four and five, then we know decidedly it's definitely not you, it's me. (laughs) So here's the bottom line here. We all know that money impacts relationships. It impacts marriage. You've got to be able to have these conversations. And talking about money is so important, not only to your financial health, but to the health of the overall relationship. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The data here inside this Fidelity study tells us that money problems and more marriages and substance abuse and domestic violence and a long list of other items. Well, what do happy retirees do? Well, happy retirees do the following. And again, I've studied literally the amount of time couples spend. What's a good amount of time? What's too little? What's too much? Well, H. Robs are happiest retirees on the block. They spend, on average, one or two hours a month having an, an honest or, let's call it, constructive, open conversation about anything related back to money. My research also showed that once you spend more than three and a half or four hours per month, 
happiness levels start to decline. Also, retirees that reported never discussing their finances, they're twice as likely to be unhappy as a retiree. The way I look at this data is that we, we, we have to be able to talk about money. We've got to do that for a healthy financial relationship. And yes, it literally goes back to a healthy human relationship. And that takes talking about money, at least some, on a regular basis. But when you start talking about money all the time, it may bring up some other things. First of all, you may be talking about money because you're already having money problems. That may be part of this data is suggesting that when you're already having money problems, you're constantly having to talk about solutions and you're already in a scenario where money is creating a splinter or a wedge or it's making it difficult, making life difficult, hence the marriage difficult. But I've also seen it where one of the partners in the marriage is just almost obsessed with money and they're, and they're talking about it too often, they're thinking about it too much. It's too big of a variable in the overall relationship or conversation. Bill, he wants to get to $5 million before retiring. He talks about it constantly all the time. Hey, I'm okay to talk about it a little bit, but too much is just too much. So it really is about striking this balance. I I look at it as that you got to talk about money. Just don't talk it or each other to death. When it comes to this topic, I always think of, let's call them Larry and Patty, a couple that is from Virginia that, again, I I used to work with them together and I obviously don't anymore. They're divorced. I still work with Patty. But Larry's one of these guys that just a consummate executive and he was always working, always thinking about getting raises, getting bonuses, love looking at his 401k. All these things I totally find normal, but it was in the absence of doing other things. So Patty was always thinking about, hey, where are we going to go travel? Are we going to go go to the East Coast and go to Hilton Head? Are we going to go on trips with the kids? Are we going to get together as a family? Typical happy retiree, love, has a tennis team, always playing on her with her tennis team. Um, golf once in a while, she, in a walking group uh, three days a week, real active. What I knew she was kind of on this path to being happy retiree. Uh, lots of these core pursuits. Again, that's what the money's for. Larry, on the other hand, was always one of these guys that was like, oh, I'll eventually get to my hobbies. I'll eventually get to my hobbies. And Larry, and Pat would always say to me, I wish Larry would get some damn hobbies. Like all he cares about is work and all he cares about is getting to retirement. But I don't even know what he's going to do when he's in retirement. And ultimately, Larry really did care more about And maybe it wasn't that he cared more about it, but maybe he just couldn't focus on a lot of other things all at once. But he was always talking about work, always talking about the executives in the company and jockeying for another position and trying to make more money. And it just wore Patty down over the years. Patty didn't really want to even talk about it. So it was kind of these one-side conversations over and over and over again. So I don't know what the exact amount was, but we're talking about probably 10 hours a month, 20 hours a month. Patty didn't want to hear about it. Now, realistically, she would have probably been fine to talk about it a couple hours a month. But Larry, please stop. We all know couples like this. She was more focused on core pursuits and fun and what the money was for. Larry didn't have any core pursuits and he was just worried about the money. And almost talked about it incessantly. And I could tell as they got closer and closer to retirement, 
And there's obviously more to the story than just the money conversation. But this is certainly an example of, hey, if you find yourself as a couple never talking about money, red flag problem. Talking about money way too often, just like Larry and Pat, well, that's a problem too. And I'm not here to give you the answer to that problem, but I'm here to help you recognize that it is one. Whether you're very early in the retirement game or you're already in retirement, all this data that I bring to the table and all this research that I do so that we can learn from the happy retirees and emulate them and learn from what the unhappy group does and make sure we don't do what they do. Even when you're in your 20s and 30s, all these things add up to forming good long-term habits. I was at the pediatrician the other day with our kids and this is kind of they're doing their back to school physical and the pediatrician was kind of scolding my 11 year old about how many hours of sleep do you get? What do you eat? You eat too much sugar. Do you drink Capri Suns? You should be water and milk. Do you watch too much television? And I was thinking, well, doc, pretty heavy. The kid's 11. And her point was, and she said, it's really difficult to start eating healthy when you're a grown up if you ate like crap as a kid. And it's really difficult to, to understand the power and how important it is to get a good night's sleep when you're an adult if you didn't do it as a kid. It's really difficult to break yourself away from too much screen time as an adult when you didn't do it as a kid. And I think these happy retiree habits that are items that we want to emulate and the ones that we want to stay away from, I think it's just like that. These are things that we want to cultivate no matter what age we are. Hey, y'all, this is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information information.